Hey, folks. Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlson, it's good to see you. It feels like it's been a minute. It was at the Thanksgiving holiday, I think, that uh, threw the clock off here a little bit, and I've not seen your lovely face. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It feels like it. it the, the Thanksgiving game throws everything out of whack. Even I don't know how you feel, but when I get back, I think I think Thursday, Sunday after we cover that game, and I think Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday feels like it just. My wife the whole week, the whole weekend was like, well, "What?" I kept thinking it was the wrong day. It's like you know, it's only Saturday. Okay, so yeah, and she wanted been, you. Been too she long, wanted so. you out of the house. She wanted you out of the house on Sunday. Is Most, that it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah it, it is always a little a, too long. Yeah, it is always odd when you, you get to the Sunday during the fall and and there's no Lions game. Yeah. And you forget, oh, yeah, and then Thursday to Sunday, you don't think of it as such a long break, but something about the holidays starts to feel like it is. So it actually has been a little bit of time since uh, we've chatted. I hope you enjoyed the rest of your Thanksgiving and uh, got refreshed a little bit, But uh, because you're going to need it, man. We, there, there's almost too much to talk about. There's, there's <laughs> a lot going on in our sports and our sports world in Detroit. And Michigan at uh, at the moment, and so we're going to do something a little bit different, Carlos. And I hope this is okay with you. You said it was pre-show, yeah. So hopefully, you, hopefully, you won't change your mind. But we're going to do not a lightning lightning round where we spend uh, thirty seconds or a minute, but we're going to try to get through what we think are. But actually, they're probably more than five. But we're going to we narrowed it down to five topics because they're all newsworthy, and we're going to try to speed through those relatively relatively quickly. Is that uh, does that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Tigers and Wayne State basketball and all those, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Detroit City soccer, all those big important topics. Let's go real quick. Hillsdale uh, indoor soccer. I don't even yes. know if they have such a thing. Yeah. But, Madonna. Uh, they probably don't. They probably don't. That's a commie sport. And Hillsdale probably doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> play. Hillsdale probably doesn't play play soccer. Um, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through the Lions, Michigan football, Michigan State football, the Pistons, and the Wings. And I think it's pretty obvious why most of those are what the stories are with all of those organizations right now. We're gonna take a break in the middle. We'll probably uh, take a break after after football when we pivot sports. So, and then we'll, of course get to your favorite part of the show, which is your favorite thing. And I'm looking forward to hearing that a little bit later. But in the meantime, let's start with the Lions. You're going to New Orleans. When are you going? You're going Thursday, I hope. Take a little extra time, eat some no, food. This isn't the, this isn't, no, this isn't the Sean Windsor NFL Palooza where I go five days early. I uh, knock on, you know, friends' doors who have to pretend they want to see me. You know, <laughs> L.A.? Uh, you're, L- you're L- hounding no, your... No, your, L.A.? Your, no. No, your what? poor friend who came from Projection? Fort Worth. You were just in Los Angeles for how long? Six days. I was working. Day. I was going covering back. You were working twelve yeah. stuff. No, I, pre- I appreciated the one. I appreciated the one story you wrote out there. But no, you <laughs> you went to Disney World, man. Yeah, uh, true. Hey, true the, story. By by the way, about that was I was supposed to talk to um, the guy I was excited to talk to was Rodney Pete, uh, but then his father had to go in the hospital. So he was like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I've been trying to, and he's a friend through, he's not a friend, but his connection is through Rob Parker, who we both know, you know, great, the great Rob Parker. And I felt so bad. He was a perfect guy, right? Because former Lions quarterback, USC quarter, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, all that stuff. And he was, he was, uh, he was a fun, he wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner, was he? I don't, I don't he think played, he was. He played at U.S. He was a big shot at USC. He didn't. Barry Sanders won that year. Looked like a movie star, by Pete the way. No, no, no. Yeah, no. That's and a he's great married story, to Holly Robinson, Pete. But yeah, it was and good. I don't do that, Sean. I'm just going in on Saturday, covering the game Sunday. Come to, hey to Kirkland Crawford if he's listening. Our sports editor. It can be done, Kirk. You can. Just you just go did it and that, to what cover you the game you, and come home. You you just did it in L.A. and I think you were going to do it in New Orleans, but then you're. Your plans change. Hopefully, you'll at least get out and see. Have you been to New Orleans before? I have. I, I've been there for a week before, Sean, when uh, the Lions played in the, I think, the 2011 playoffs. And I was out there. Our buddy Gene Meyer sent me out, and I was in bed That's with him. That's right. That's right. That was a lot of fun. It was actually uh, – they they play – they practice in Metairie, which is not a nice town. Um but it was fun to see the sorry, the, sorry, Metairie, if we have any, if we have any Detroiters <laughs> down there, because it's we always have, cool. We, I don't, we, we I do don't have know Detroiters if you everywhere. do this, 
one of the things I find fascinating as a sports writer is, you know, like uh, when you go to different teams and cover them, you kind of see how their operation works and it's different, whether it's whatever sport it is, but just how they run things. Because we're just used to how the things run here locally in Michigan. Uh, but it's always fascinating how different different programs, different cities, different teams have different uh, ways they do things. So um, it's always it's always interesting to me. I'm not spending that time. I'm not going to the Saints facility this time, but uh, I will be eating some, be in the French Quarter with our boy Dave Burkett, who promises me we may actually have dinner together. Um, Whoa, he usually like halo nice. drops. Yeah, he, he halo does. drops like at midnight on Saturday because his kids play he, like 14 sports. Yeah, he does. He does. He does all of his work. You know, he's, he's a big prep guy. He's a coach, um, right? He, he coaches. So he's used to doing all the prep work. And as, as we all know, coaching is, is mostly what you do leading up to the game, right? And, That's uh, right. And, and Dave Burkett is, is the best at that. So by the time he halos in, as you say, he's ready to go. Speaking of ready to go, the Lions, not a bye week. Sort of feels like I had a bye week, but it's just a Thanksgiving week. But uh, where are we at with the Lions? It was not, not, a, not a good loss um, to Green Bay. Dan Campbell said he was not going to panic. There was no reason they're still eight and three, but all of a sudden, man, they've got uh, not forget, forget the issues for a second. The defensive issues, which we all know are there, the turnover issues, the last couple of games, especially with Jared Goff. But the schedule, man, it's uh, it's daunting all of a sudden, right? Denver's won five in a row. They're coming up. They got to go to Chicago after New Orleans, and we saw how tricky Chicago was at Ford Field a couple of weeks ago. They've Minnesota twice. The Cowboys are. Playing almost as well as anybody, they have to they have to go there. So, what do you think about what what they have facing them? Um, it's a little harder than than maybe we thought it was going to be, but you know, um, Chicago just beat Minnesota. Um, I, I don't the, the Vikings. You know, they're hard to to pin down. They can lose to anybody. They can maybe beat maybe not anybody, but a lot of teams. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite as tough to win in Minnesota as maybe it has been other years. The Bears are the Bears. I mean, they they, they look a little better, but they're still the Bears. The Saints aren't great. Um, the Broncos are hot, and the Cowboys are hot. Those are the, the those are the two teams that they got to really be aware of. And um, I I wouldn't nobody would be shocked if they lost to those two teams. Uh, but the Saints. Um, the Bears and the Vikings really—they shouldn't pose that many problems. And I, and I look at the you know the turnovers and whatever they lost. It, it was a bad loss to Green Bay. You know and they were out a couple of big players, Aaron Jones and Zaire Alexander. But that happened. That that was a little bit of an anomalous loss, I think, because of the turnovers. You're not you're not necessarily expecting Goff and the offense to keep doing that. If they can clean that up, the takeaways are another thing. The, the, the Lions just are struggling with that. That's really hard. To do, um, you know, Campbell talked about that. You know, you got to, it's the second guy. Everybody, you know, first tackle and the second guy's got to come in and they got to start punching the ball up. But, but as long as they, they, I think Goff kind of returns to the norm and doesn't turn it over, I, they should be fine. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because, okay, if you're going to give them a loss at Dallas and let's say Denver comes in and, and beats them, although I don't, that's not a done deal at all. But, and then they split with Minnesota. So that's, that's three losses. Let's say they beat the Saints. And, I don't uh, think they're splitting with and, Minnesota. I think they're sweeping and, them. And beat the and beat the uh, and be, and beat the Bears. That's not going to be easy. I don't know. It's not inconceivable that they have three more losses. Right? That they go three and three the rest of the way, and then and then you're eleven and six, which is still, you know, a pretty good record, right? That's what I predicted before sure. the season. That's probably about what you predicted too, right? Did you did you predict? I predicted wins? ten wins. Ten wins. Ten wins. So. So you know, which is progress from a year ago, but that, but the start, all the hype, the way they're going, um, you know, I wonder if eleven and six is going to, how that's going to feel. I guess it depends on how they get to eleven and six, right? I mean, if they if they somehow yeah. stumble at New Orleans and they go lose in Chicago and have a three game losing streak, all of a sudden that's that's going to be difficult. But then if they kind of ride it at the end, right? So I guess I guess that all, it just all depends. You expect them to beat New Orleans though. I do, you know, um, they they just uh, the Saints just aren't the same team that they've been. You know, they they they're struggling. They're not great in any facet of their uh, you know of their game. Um, you know, James Winston's not a great 
quarterback. I mean, they they can win. And I think I think when you heard Dan Campbell talk about this on Monday, uh, you know, obviously he came from the Saints, uh, spent several years there with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and it's not the same team anymore, obviously. And and traditionally, yeah, it was hard. I mean. Let's just not let's not forget they used to be the Aints, right? Uh, back in the Archie Manning days and all. Oh, you're going all way that back. Stuff. Yeah, way back. But they traditionally were not a great team, you know. Um, and then the Drew Brees era happened in the Sean Payton era, and that's over. So, you know, I don't think the Dennis Allen era is like the oh my god, this is the new Sean Payton. I don't, you know, they they're still trying to figure it out there. They've got they've probably got a make some moves and some changes before that, that really gets going. And the Superdome can be loud and it can be intimidating, you know, but it's, I don't think it's going to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe they get up a little bit for the lions. Um, but I, I just don't see them as a big threat. Stay. They just lost to the, to the Falcons. I mean, it's, it's, I know the, the, this the, the, would the be a bad loss. It would be a bad loss, and the Lions should be worse than a Green Bay loss because Green Bay has actually been playing a little bit better, and 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 that quarterback of theirs had some talent, had, had himself a day. Now you could say, well, the Lions contributed to that by not rushing him, but he, the dude made some really nice throws, and a few times even under pressure, the, the few times they actually did pressure him. But no, the Lions uh, should win. It would be a bad loss. They they need this based on how the strength of schedule is kind of increased here a little bit, and uh, you know they're fighting for positioning. Home field, uh, home field, all that sort of thing. So, but we're in a semi lightning round that wasn't super, super fast, but we need to move on. We need to get to the next topic, which is the Michigan Wolverines. They beat Ohio State for the third straight year. Carlos, uh, it did not snow this time like it did two years ago when they broke the streak when Jim Harbaugh won for the first time over, over the Buckeyes. But they're back in the Big Ten title game for the third year in a row. They play Iowa Saturday night in Indianapolis. They should win. Iowa is still uh, what? What's the right phrase? Offensively terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, they're de- defensively. They're defensively. They're, I don't, they're ex- good. Yeah, they are. I don't expect Michigan to go hang forty on them or anything like that. But they should win, and that sets up the third straight college football playoff appearance. Right now, they're slotted at number two. If Georgia wins the SEC championship, they will remain the number one seed and probably pick. New Orleans, it would make sense that they would pick the Sugar Bowl. The semis are the Sugar Bowl and the, the Rose Bowl, which would put Michigan out in the Rose Bowl. So who knows? Maybe maybe have a little old Rose Bowl magic is is what they need to finally break through. But where are you at with this team? Uh, McCarthy looked a little better, not quite as hobbled against the Buckeyes. Harbaugh's back on the sideline. Uh, what, what, what do you think big picture? I mean, I assume you think they're going to beat Iowa. I say they they roll with the hot hand and keep Sharon Moore as the coach. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job. Why change it up at this point? You know, it's uh it's been fantastic. Uh coach of the year, maybe. Um, now, yeah, you know, it's uh it's very telling, right? Harbaugh's not even there and they're still beating the Buckeyes. Um and they're just uh uh on you predicted that the you didn't believe in the Wolverines and you predicted that they would lose. I, I, I did. And I heard from Michigan fans, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I heard I from Michigan correctly fans. Pre- predicted they would win almost by the exact score. So thank you. Uh, you can't see listener can't see me patting myself on the back, but uh they're just no, they're they just, they can see it as a metaphor in terms <laughs> of how you write. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I try. I'm glad it comes through, Sean. Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, they they're just too complete of a team. You know, they just don't have many weaknesses. Uh, Blake Corum, you know, as you wrote in your column, that it's it's you reminded everybody that he said at the beginning of the year, it's it's uh, t- you know national title or bust, and you know he's motivated. He played. You played a great game. You know, defensively, they played a great game. Uh, JJ McCarthy looked a lot better. I mean, he was supposed to be kind of more still banged up, but he, he really came through. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the, the Iowa game is a foregone conclusion. You know, they're going to, they're going to be the Hawks. It's not going to be a, a contest. And then it's, do they play Washington, you know, in the, <clears throat> in the CFP semifinal and you know, that, uh, Oh my God, you would be going out to the, to LA again, or wouldn't you? Yeah, Oregon, or, or, but they'll probably be. I think Washington will beat Oregon. Uh, and Although it is Washington's Oregon. Not been, Washington's not been as sharp lately, but yeah, yeah. But it's 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 uh, you know you don't believe in Michael Penix Jr., but I do. But uh, and and for all the listeners out there, it's uh, it's Oregon, not Oregon, not Oregon, Oregon. And our producer has family out there in in, in Oregon, and uh, that's how it's pronounced. So please don't don't butcher it. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's you you you. It's been so impressive what they've done through all the the chaos, right? Uh, the suspensions. Harbaugh's maybe coached half the games, whatever, and they still keep rolling. Um, they just have so much talent. That's going to change next year, probably. It's going to be different, but uh, yeah, I, you expect them. I mean, you expect them to roll into the CFP, and then it's another question because you know if you can get upset by TCU, you can maybe get upset by anybody. It's a different team this year, but but uh, yeah. You know, once you get there, it's a, it's a different ball ball game. Well, I think uh, they're going to have to do. Yeah, they'll have a similar game they had against TCU last year in the semis. If it is Washington or Oregon or somebody like that, and it's going to be a shootout to a degree, and they're going to have to kind of outscore them. Uh, they're not going to. They're not. They're they're good defensively, but they. I mean, just think about. I don't know how good defensively they are. I mean, it's tough to say. I, who's the best quarterback they played this year? Have they played a really good one. Uh, at Penn State doesn't have a quarterback. Kyle McCord is may end up being good yeah. for the Buckeyes, but he's he's not there yet. Good they point. have not really played a quarterback yet. Michael Penix will be by far the best quarterback they've faced, and they're going right. to give up some points. And I would imagine, I mean, Harrison did what he did. Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm speaking about for the Buckeyes. Of course, he's an incredible talent, but but and that's not with a great quarterback thrown to him so you wonder and Washington by the way has good receivers so you wonder you wonder what that'll look like and I would imagine they're gonna have to score and as good as Michigan is they're they're still not super explosive they got a lot of talent JJ McCarthy as long as he's healthy is one of the better quarterbacks in the in the country and especially if he can run and get out and I mean he's really good throwing on the run you know their receivers are solid their tight ends are great they've got they've got a second third round tied in and uh Colson Loveland. So they do they do have things that they that they can uh that they can throw and they can score. So to me though, that's what it's gonna take. It's gonna what happened last year against TCU is they gave up two pick sixes. And that and that was really the difference. I mean, right? That was really that's 14 points. That was really the difference in the game. And I would imagine that will score at a similar clip that they did against TCU if it's Washington or Oregon. If they can get by that and get the title game and it's Georgia, Alabama sneaks in at the four spot or somehow upsets Georgia, whatever. But let's just say it's Georgia. Do they have enough to beat Georgia? I, I, I still don't know. I think they probably have a better chance just because defensively they've got a little bit more speed um, and, and lots of, you know, at all three levels. And that's a little bit different. You know, Loveland's a matchup issue. I don't know that they'll be able to run the ball much against the Bulldogs, but McCarthy, the last time they faced Georgia, you know, it was with McNamara. McCarthy's much more dynamic. So who knows? I I wouldn't necessarily favor Michigan, but this is their best chance to me to to do this. And Harbaugh keeps saying all year, this is the team. He says, the team, the team, the team, this is the team. So that's what he thinks. You know, the, my my two things on this is, you know, one one question is we have is Will Johnson, you know, their best cornerback left the game with a leg injury or something, lower body. Um, you know, if he can if he can play, that'll definitely help. You know, we'll see what it, what he, his status is uncertain for Iowa in the Big Ten game, but uh, championship game. But then if they when they advance, uh, you know, whether he's there against Michael Penix or whoever it is, you know. Uh, they'll need be, him for sure. They'll need him. But here's the other thing. Here's the thing that, and and I don't like to believe too much into the hype and whatever. Um, but the one thing is, JJ McCarthy is a borderline first round draft pick. Probably in the late first round, might slip into the second. I think that. I think that if the one thing he hasn't shown that you read, if you read any of these draft things, or whatever is he has not put the offense on his back and carried it. He's not just taking over. He's not. And that's what NFL teams want is this dude is the dude. He makes everything happen. He, the, everything runs through him. He wills the team to win. He leads them. And McCarthy hasn't had to do that. He looks like he has the ability to do that, but because of the way they, they run the ball and the way they run their offense, he, he doesn't have to, but if he did that, now, when all the spotlight is on him in, in championship games, you know, in semifinal, whatever it is, high, high profile games, that will make him a surefire and they win, make him a surefire first round draft pick. There's a lot riding on this for JJ McCarthy. So I think that may be the X factor motivation that maybe he needs to ignite the offense and to, you know, push them over the top. Well, 
he has done it a couple of times this year, two or three times, in fact, where he's been the the, the engine of the offense and, and made just ridiculous throws, but he hasn't done it against, I mean, I'm Good trying teams. to think. At the, yeah, exactly. He did it against Nebraska, it comes to mind. He had some nice throws against Minnesota. Yeah, he had he did, you know, a few games where he's up near 300 yards or whatever and squeezing the ball into tight windows and on the run. But, yeah, not against not against the level of competition he's about to face. That right? pass that I mean, he made to Roman Wilson – when the linebacker turned and didn't look back, that's that is the he should just put that on a clip and just send it to every NFL GM and say that no, it was ridiculous. And he and he's got that kind of arm. He's got that in. He's got that in. And that he sure. studied it. He knew the linebacker once he turns doesn't turn back. That that said a lot about him. But now no, 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 for sure he's got a lot of ability. They they don't have a dynamic dynamic receiver. Roman Wilson is a good player, and Cornelius Cornelius Johnson's a, a, a good solid receiver, really good run blocker. Their their best the, the the toughest cover is Colson Loveland and then AJ AJ Barner after that he's a, another tight end is going to play in the NFL. Those are probably their two toughest matchups. And hey, you know what? We've seen teams win big with really really good tight ends. <laughs> it, oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. So it. it it's By the possible. way, are you right. gonna, are you going to text Brad Holmes and tell him that Cornelius Johnson's a really good run blocker? Because you know how you love that the Jamison Williams a really good run blocker, so that's you know draft him. In the well, first when a round. team wants to run the when a team wants to run the ball like the Lions do, like Michigan does, yeah, it helps you have receivers mm-hmm. that can block. How about if I you mean, can catch the ball? Well, yeah, that 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 always helps too. Johnson's Johnson's got solid hands. He's just not a burner, right? He's not he's not overly athletic. He's not particularly fast. Re- I mean, relative to really fast receivers. He's a, he's a good, good, solid receiver. How do you have to yeah. qualify it? Of course, we know you're talking about receiver. You're not talking about us. We run six, six, five, forties. No, because it's it's, it's always been, it's always been a pet peeve of mine. And we talk in sports when we're throwing around terms like, "Oh, he's slow." Well, no, he's not slow. No, yes, he, he is slow. For, we're not no. comparing him to the trash man. We're no, comparing him to not, other people it, of his as, caliber. Of his it, as a human being, he's he's not he's not slow at all. That's all. Always, or when somebody says, "Oh, he's a loser," or "He's a bum," or "He's he's this," or he's like, "No, he's a professional athlete." What do you? I mean, it's it, it, the the baseline needs to be a little bit higher for for the uh, for for what these folks accomplish. All right, let's let's take a break. We didn't get to Michigan State. There's not a blue wall. We want to we want to give it the proper the proper time. We we, we want to see if we can do this lightning round. We're gonna have to speed this up. Yeah, if we want to get you. through the rest of we got to go, Roman Wilson. Speed here, yeah. We got, we got, we got to speed. We got to, we got to speed this up. If, uh, or Jameson Williams speed, if we really want to talk about okay. or Calvin Johnson speed. How about that? All right, let's take a uh, quick break, and we'll be right back with the rest of our uh, lightning round. I promise we'll speed this up, and uh, and more from Free Press Sports with Carlson Chuck. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. It's time to speed this up. I, I, I am by nature a turtle. My governor is uh, bar- barely, you know, set on the lowest possible setting. That's uh, that's something that uh, it helps control the fuel intake of engines that are about to disappear from our world. Um, I don't know in the next 10, 20 years, but that's neither that's neither here nor there. That's uh, our, that's for our kids. This to worry is speeding about. it up. Yeah, no, ex- ex- exactly. It's. Uh, it's not helpful, man. And we still have three three subjects to get through, and uh, we don't want to we don't want to short. You're gonna anybody. you're gonna work hard to cut hockey, aren't you? No, I we're not gonna we're it. not gonna cut hockey, but we are gonna start back with Michigan State football. Michigan State football, who the program hired a, a new coach over the weekend, announced it during the Michigan Ohio State game, which I thought was <laughs> <laughs> was was just fantastic, and then introduced the new coach, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, excuse me, uh, Tuesday up in East Lansing and the uh, Gilbert Pavilion and all that glass and the sun's coming in and the the pep band's in there and they're playing and the the fight song and everybody's applauding. And it's funny, you know, when the, when the new coach comes in, right, the record's uh, unblemished, it's perfect. You know, the future is is bright. We're going to work hard. we got a lot to rebuild. What else? We're gonna we're gonna play a physical brand of football. I don't know that brand was used, but physical football, just all the all the usual uh, words that you hear that are all cliches, but all true. I don't know. What what do you think of our our, our new guy, Jonathan Smith? He's kind of from your neck of the woods. 
He grew up in Pasadena. That's still a bit from Arizona where you grew up, but it's it's close. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Temecula, Sean. Um, no, I great mean, yeah, he's, I, I like him already. Pasadena. I mean, you know, I, I was literally born a couple miles from Pasadena and grew up there in San Gabriel and um, for a little bit and uh, San Gabriel Valley. Where you're going back? You're going back, obviously, to no, not, ne- not necessarily. I mean, who knows? A few things could happen uh, to to prevent yeah. that from happening. But no, what what West is it? Coast West guy. Coast is guy it coming? Yeah, coming. But he's not your typical West Coast guy, right? I mean, I shouldn't say typical. That in itself is not fair. But how college football fans think of West Coast college football? His Oregon State Beavers did not play i mean they had some innovation and some creativity and so forth so he's a quarterback himself or walk on at oregon state ended up setting records there but they were uh you know they they got off there in the trenches they liked to hit they, they played especially in the pac-12 that's kind of how they won so he's not he, he he's a midwest guy in that way if we want to keep in the stereotypes well yeah i mean uh you know if things had broken right uh, oregon state would be in the big 10 right i mean uh four of the teams are coming to the Big Ten, so yeah, I don't know if you can really say that. You know, once once UCLA or probably USC starts winning the Big Ten West, and there's going to be a showdown with Michigan and Big and USC in Indianapolis, I think that'll be different. People won't won't think about the West anymore as much. They won't, will they? No, and you know, people bounce around. They go. I mean, Harbaugh. Let's say Harbaugh was a California coach. You know, at USD twice and, over, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, Stanford. No, three times. Three times. He coached. He coached three team, teams in California. Three teams on the way. I mean, the NFL doesn't matter. It doesn't count. But yeah, I mean, you know, so he. Yeah, I mean, he's. If it doesn't matter, football's football. It's not like you know, the West plays a different way and the South plays a different way. It's all. It's all the same. So. I don't think that's going to be a problem. The X's and O's. I, I don't. I, I maybe recruiting. You know, sitting in a mis- midwestern house a little bit more often with the mom and the dad, and and getting the kids to come, and you know, selling the program and who you are. Um, that might take a little bit of time for him. You know, might be hard for. I mean, Michigan always. Michigan State always struggles with its recruiting class. You know, you know, but uh, but yeah, that might be a little bit. But I, I think coaches you know it's football more than anything else it's not really a culture because you know half the kids come or not half but several kids come from the south you know there's really good athletes in the south so um and and maybe it'll help them to recruit in the west too maybe there's some athletes you can snag from california but uh yeah i don't i don't worry about that he's gonna he's gonna try to keep uh we'll see how many but i think he's gonna try to keep a few coaches that were on the staff that he liked i mean harlan barnett could be one of them. He wants to. He wants to have a few few of the guys with Midwest ties, Michigan ties in particular, because one of the things about recruiting is getting to know the high school coaches. So when you're talking about geog- geographical differences, it's not cultural difference as much as it's, it's in, having spent time around. You, what high school does? What high Networks. school does? Exactly. You just got a network, and so my guess is he'll try to address that with his staff, and then he'll have some work to do, getting around and introduce himself and all. I mean, that's all. That's that's all part of it. But he seems like a uh, smart guy. He seemed like he genuinely wanted to be here, thinks that he can win at a, a different clip and a different rate than he did at Oregon State. And he's right. Michigan, Michigan State, I mean, not that long ago, was in the college football playoff and playing in Rose Bowls. And D'Antonio won, what, 10 or 11 games five years in a row. And I don't, I don't know that that kind of stretch is available again, but who knows? So it, it it does make sure, some why sense. Not? Yeah, no, it was definitely a step up, and that's no offense against Oregon State, but it was. It's it's not the highest level, right? Especially right now, but uh, but it, but it was a step up, and I think it's just for Michigan State and that community in general, just the, getting a chance to kind of officially now they can move on from one of the toughest falls they've had in their football program in a long, long time. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a breath of fresh air. You could, I'm sure, you were at the at the press conference, just watching it on TV a little bit. I got the sense of it that people were more than anything just happy to let's just let this be. They were. That's right. right. That's it's, right. And you know the tragedy on campus that happened this year. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff with that program that and that school that it's gone through. They need a palate cleanse. They need something to focus on. Something new. And everything breaks right, you know, 
Michigan wins the national title. Harbaugh goes back to the NFL. McCarthy gets drafted in the first round. And so, uh, you know, the clears the path for Jonathan Smith to win the, the Big Ten uh, East, you know, in his first year. Hey, Ryan Day, Ryan Day gets fired. Yeah. Ryan Day gets fired. Yeah, that's, uh, he, you know, it's too fun to have Ryan Day, I think. I don't, I don't want to see him go. Uh, I know Michigan fans probably do, but. No, just those cheeks and all that hair, the hair dye, right? I mean, just uh, <laughs> My favorite meme was when someone put uh, music to the, their little hype thing that they do in the circle before the game. They set it to the Benny Hill music. <laughs> it, was, no, it was too good. Uh, oh, that's funny. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that. that for, for you're the king of memes. That, How do you not see that? Well, for listeners out there, Benny Hill was a British uh, sort of slapstick comedian whose show, by the way, could not get made today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, pra- and probably and probably good probably rightfully so right so but anyway no it's uh they, they they get to move on that's the best thing you know we'll see if he wins or not but uh but psychologically it's important they got it done they they they, they said they vetted him as about as well i mean you can never vet anybody perfectly right you're, you're taking whenever you hire somebody in any field you're obviously taking a chance you don't know completely, but uh, they learned a lot from the last process. In fairness to Michigan State, they didn't have much time. D'Antonio left in February, whatever it was. So they, it was a January. I can't remember January. It, it was a quick turnaround to get Mel Tucker. Yeah. But uh, but they really wanted to take their time and do their research and talk to people that he's coached with and that have coached for him, that he's coached for, talk to players that have played for him. It, you know, They even talked to some media members out there that had covered him, which I, which I thought was interesting. Wow. And uh, that is, you know, you know what? That's really, this is something that I wish every team, pro, whatever, talk to a few media members out there because people in the media know so much more. We know so much more that we can never report. You know, the whole, I know you're not a hockey guy, but there was a whole thing going on. Uh, in Chicago with the Blackhawks and Corey Perry, I guarantee you every single reporter knew what was going on, but nobody could report it. It was a very difficult right. thing to to bring to light. But yeah, you hear the things. What do you think? How is this person? Uh, how is this person as the face of the program? How are they? How do they deal with um, no no question adversity? No, question. no no person, no coach, no administrator, no whatever is ever going to tell you that. They're never going to. It's always easy to get the positive spin. Oh man, he's a hard worker and blah blah blah. But the media, they'll tell you like, hey, this especially an off the record, right? Especially an off, off the record, record conversation, off the record. That's They're, what you want. And, you know, what, and that's what, one thing. I mean, one thing a long time ago, the Lions did. I remember. I don't think teams do this as much anymore. But they brought in Jim Schwartz and they had him talk to the media before he was hired. Um, as kind of a test of how does he deal with the media. And it's a little bit of an artificial setting. Um, you don't need that as much now because every press conference is, you know, coordinators is, you know, it's on TV, it's on camera, whatever. But that's something that's important to know. How do they deal with adversity? How do they deal with with struggling and, and winning too? But mostly when the bad times come and they come, how are they going to represent your program? Alan Heller told me he watched hundreds of YouTube vo- videos just for that purpose to watch how he handled the press. Yeah, you know, or or sometimes there might be a YouTube video of, of speaking to boosters or whatever. And I know you're on a certain, you, you know, you're presenting a certain kind of uh, face there, right? It's not a facade when you're in certain crowds, booster crowds. But still, I thought that was interesting, and I thought that was really smart. And read as many articles as he could get his hands on. And by the way, he said there wasn't one negative word with all the reporters, and he, and he said that mattered to him. Yeah, and because these were off the record conversations, right? So yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. maybe you don't make or break your decision whether to hire or not, but it fit into a larger pattern of what they had been learning. Again, if you you know if he can win, he'll stay. If not, he won't. And it really does come down to that. But they wanted somebody that wasn't going to come in and embarrass them. You know what I mean? By the way, and at least have a chance to win. Well, what if uh, what if Harbaugh was going to the NFL and someone? from the Vikings or the Panthers that are called you and asked, Hey, what do you think about coach Harbaugh? <laughs> right. <laughs> On I mean, the record. What, you yeah. like, how much time do you have? <laughs> that would be a really, a really interesting conversation. You'd start off with, he's a really good football coach, but uh, all right. Uh, again. Okay. Let's try to get the lightning. I'm sorry. It's just, I guess this is not lightning, DNA. buddy. 
This is like it's uh, not at all, but we're, but but no, but we're doing okay in the in the larger context of the pod and the and the normal hourish time or so. We're we're still okay. So let's move on. Oh, to the Detroit Pistons. Oh my goodness, your losers team. of fourteen, losers of fourteen in a row. It's not just the losing; it's the way they've lost, particularly the last four or five, man, three or four, four or five games. They were they started off two and one, showed some spirit, showed some life, and then started losing. But we're losing tough, close, uh, hard-fought games, and you can you can do that as a young team. But lately, they've been getting run out of the gym. And when you lose it by twenty, whatever it was, they lost to the Washington Wizards, also the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, two. They were At both home. two and fourteen. Both. Yeah, that's. And Monty, Monty Williams gave like a two-second press conference afterwards. He was first time you saw really, at least uh, publicly, any kind of emotion from him in that way. He was really, really frustrated. I don't know, Carl. I don't even want to start. It's a lightning round. We don't want to dig too deep. But they are a mess, and the roster doesn't look uh, like it belongs, like it fits. But to me, the biggest issue is that they're not competing again. And we're, we're not even 20 games into the season. And there was no spirit, and that that is really really troubling. Forget forget all the X's and O's, how the roster fits, all that. They're not competing. Well, I mean, you know, everybody wants to blame Troy Troy Weaver with this, right? The roster, the whatever, and the you know how many years has it been now? And you know, but but isn't this? I mean, the 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 uncompetitiveness is isn't that on the coach? If that's what it is. You know, Monty wasn't supposed to come in here and, you know, coming from the Suns and, I, you know, winning a million games and he's supposed to turn things around. So, you know, it's not always as simple as who's to blame the most here, uh, but is it is it is it the roster construction more who they have in the positions they have? Is it the coaching, the motivation? I mean, to me, when you're getting run out of the gym, that's the coach. That's the coach is not. You know, it's not like they don't have any talent. I mean, come on, you know, and it's like, yeah, losing to the Wizards by what was it, like almost 20? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. No, it, it was that was the low point of the season. And, um, you know, by the time you, you, y'all are listening to this out there, they may have set a, a NBA, not, not an NBA, but a franchise record for consecutive losses because they're playing the Lakers Wednesday night. And they could, uh, even if LeBron doesn't play, they lost to the Nuggets a week and a half ago. Well, Jamal Murray didn't play, and Nikola Jokic was tossed. I think he was tossed that night. He didn't play yeah. the second half of the game, and they basically lost to Contavious Caldwell Pope, a former, a former <laughs> Piston. So the fact ACP, that LeBron may have never gotten rid of him, yeah, yeah, the fact that they may not play. Look, I mean, I, we don't need to get into all the roster stuff. The the, the, the bigger question is. Are these young guys going to turn out or not? I th- I still think it's too soon to say. I know their folks are starting to worry about Cade Cunningham. There are other folks that say no, the pieces around him don't fit. He's not it, to, to optimize his talents. We will see. Jalen Duran remains promising. Jaden Ivey remains somewhat promising. He's looked better lately. Asur Thompson looks really promising. Maybe not as well, a what dominant. Are we, what are we going to see? We're seeing it one now. option. No, exactly. But how long? But, how but, much longer do we have to see? To see of of what. That the, the, if it's going to work out, it's been horrible. Kate's no, I'm talking about with these young, with these and whatever. Nothing's happening. No, with the with these young players, that that's the thing. You, you can't. I mean, NBA guys. So Thompson's a great defensive their, player. All this stuff. Where is that? How come it's no? Not he's actually together? he's actually playing really def- well defensively. That's how you have to look at this. See, the, the to me the larger there are a couple things going on. One is the roster construction around these young guys has not been good, and they've had injuries. People don't want to hear that, but it's true. But to to their point, too, to the critics' point, yeah, the roster around the young guys is not good, and it's not it's not and it's not been a good fit. So that's one thing. But yeah, the young guys in the league don't start most of them unless they're Luca or a generational guy, which Cade Cunningham is not a generational player. He may end up being a really good player, maybe even a great player. Who knows? But it's still you don't start sniffing your prime until three or four years in, four years in usually. Right for for a lot of the guys, you can go down the list and see. You know, toss out the LeBrons, to, you know, whatever. So I I, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe maybe Weaver doesn't deserve it. They're going to have a bunch of cap space after this season, and I think a lot of people are worried that he's not going to know what to do with it. And if he if he does anything with it, it's just going to make it worse. Is he going to last? Is he going to even make it? He might not. And I'm with you on Monty Williams. I wonder. Monty Williams is a good coach. But the listlessness this team's playing with, 
Right. I know he's trying to build a defensive identity. I get his white bench, Jaden Ivy, to start the season. He's starting Ivy now because they need buckets. And Ivy's been better. He's actually been a little bit better defensively. So maybe you could credit Williams for that. He's looked better defensively. Ivy has. But the problem is, you know, people don't want to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. They just don't. It's just a it's just a mess. People didn't expect them to win much, right? No, no. Maybe to flirt but, with the playing game at best, but yeah, at best. But wins, even that was maybe? sort of a pipe dream, right? Yeah, 30, 30 wins would have been a success. Yeah, and they got two. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, if, it, it was, what are they on pace for? Like six? They're on eight? pace for like six. Yeah, and, and what, what's <laughs> or seven maybe? And what's crazy is that they actually did look like a and they turned a ball over from the start. So the turnovers have been there even when they were started off two and one, but they looked. Like they had a little oomph to them those first few games. You're like, okay, you could see them picking a game off every three or four games. And it just just completely dissipated. It makes you wonder, does Monty Williams even want to be here? Did he just come for the money? He didn't look like it when after that press conference where this isn't funny, you know. I mean, it's it, it was and you know what? And let me let me I mean, first, let's just be clear. This is all your fault, Sean, for going to summer league and writing all those hype pieces that whatever. <laughs> Well, no, um, no, I stand, I stand by Thompson. Thompson's going to be yeah. a really good player for a long time. He's shown that already. No, he's but, a rookie. I mean, you know, yeah, he's whatever. He's, I think he's even good, good coaches – I mean, even good coaches struggle sometimes to motivate teams, to get them to to play the, the way that they want. You know, I don't know enough about basketball to know how he's using his rotations and whatever and putting players in positions that they may have to – they're not mostly comfortable in that first and like you said stressing defense and then now he's got to change it and get more offense and i don't know enough about that and that, and it's his first year you're not getting rid of monty williams um no but no. troy weaver's had his time and that has to work together so if it's not working together right now i mean you know it's 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 fair to wonder how much more time but if you bring another gm in and they want their own coach, whatever, I and mean, then then the clock's really ticking on Monty Williams if things don't change. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it I can't. can't. It, it just wasn't going to be. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad, right? No, and I and I don't see them getting rid of Weaver in midseason unless they win and lose another fourteen in a row. Then then Tom Gores may have no choice but to do it. Someone's going to you're going to have to have a head a sacrificial. Yeah, exactly. At, at that point, it's just a public relations move. But I think Gores probably wants to give a little bit of time with Bogdanovich back and people say, well, he's not Jesus. I, I get it, but he was their leading <laughs> scorer a year ago. And it's the young guys desperately need vets. He's their best shooter. Yeah. And just sometimes one person, even if he's not a dom, he's not a dominant player, but he's a really good player. And I get it. He's a little older, Very good. but sometimes the fit can have a domino yeah. effect. And, and if I were Gores, I would at least wait and see with him back. And if they're healthy, can they be the, the the 25 to 30 win team when he's back? Because that's still possible. They're not going to get to that number, but they could they could they start doing playing like that for the rest of the season. I don't know if they will. They 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 probably won't. But uh, to me, you know, Gore should should see what that looks like, and it may not well, matter. And he'll have to he'll have to get rid of Weaver in the offseason anyway. Yeah, that's a that's fair to see. You know, once you once once yeah, this the thirty four year old savior Boyan Bogdanovich returns, then everything's going to be okay. Isn't that, isn't that crazy all. though? No, it's, it's crazy. crazy to but say but that. here's here's the depressing part, right? Uh, the, it would take a lot for them to flirt with that thirty win low bar, right? And they're probably not going to do it. Chances are, they're no, not they're gonna. not. They're not. I'm talking about Fix at it. that pace. In other words. Well, can they win at that percentage? That can they win at that percentage? But even if, once, even if once they, they can, come back, right? Even if they can, that's probably against the odds. So then you're talking about let's just say you keep it intact, and then you have Troy Weaver next year, and you keep them together, and let's just and another you know, high lot. Another pick, are they, right? is next year going to be the thirty win season? I mean, how long? How much longer is this going to go on? You know, you you it, it, if it's not working right now. If it's not if it's working this poorly right now, how much longer is it going to be before they're actually a legitimate playoff team? You know, no, I mean, there's, no, there's no question. Three, four years. No, there's no question. And the first draft he had turned out to be the the worst draft he's had. Right? I mean, Isaiah Stewart's really all I have to show for it. Killian Hayes is, I'm sure, going to be gone. He showed a little bit of little bit of something at the beginning, but he's just not. He is what he is at this point. I think he's 
Isaiah Stewart's a rotational guy. I don't I don't necessarily know as he's a starter. I know they like him culturally, but I mean, as a culture fit in the locker room, sorry, and a leader and all that, and and fine, that does matter in, in certain ways. But that's that's part of the problem to me. The the, the biggest thing, the, the the single biggest thing is is Cade Cunningham. You know, your, your best player on a, on an eventual contender, and he he doesn't look like it right now. And and he he showed flashes of that as a rookie, and he looked like that at the beginning of the year a couple of times. He still has his moments, but he turns the ball over too much. And um, there's a there's a I don't want to say lack of days ago that may not be fair that he's just got that vibe about him, but it's it's fair to wonder what he's going to be. He's, he, his efficiency numbers are terrible, and that's the bigger concern, right? Because he's healthy now. You thought that shot would come back because he shot the ball well in college. To me, that's the biggest thing. And if he, and if he's not, then what do you got? Then you're really starting over. And at that point, you probably need a new yeah. GM. And that's not yeah. that's not Weaver's fault taking Cunningham. Most teams would have taken Cunningham. The top four or five guys in that, none of them have turned into stars so far. Jalen Green struggled in Houston. Evan Mobley's fine, but he's not a superstar. So, I mean, sometimes it's just bad luck. The Orlando Magic have Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, and um, and those and they're, they're, they're several games over 500. They look like they're on a path. Those two are talented young guys. If the Pistons had those two guys instead of Ivy and Cunningham, you know, it's just it's just the way the the ball bounces. I hate to say that it's not a ball anymore, but it's <laughs> it's the way it goes. Yeah, that's not necessarily Weaver's fault. It's his Some, fault for the way he's built everything around it. For sure, somewhat. I mean, and you won't know this until if it doesn't work out with Cade and he gets you know traded, and then he be he takes off and he's something special with another he team could be. and no, it wasn't the right fit be. and whatever. Uh, exactly. He's also gone through. Be. He's gone through a coaching change. You know, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, missed a season, missed most of a season. The injury, you know. absolutely, absolutely. No, no, part and, of it. and he's and he's still young, and they're still young. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's not looking good. All right, we need to get to your wings because they are doing the, the you know they are fine. They're where the Pistons didn't think they would be where the wings are this year. They think you know they're still a year or two away from that. But the wings are finally looking like a playoff team. And you, uh, even in your your good column about Patrick Kane, you're like, uh, uh, this must mean Steve Eisenman thinks they're a playoff team. I have thought that for several years now, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, li- I like that tone. But wh- is, are you surprised at how good they look? I mean, they they went in and smacked the Bruins around, man. Yeah, you know, I, I am I am a little surprised. I mean, I thought that you know, definitely adding Alex DeBrinket was the first step in, you know, they traded for him and then they extended, signed them to an extension. And to me, I think that Heiserman kind of, he knows who he likes, who works well, who's a good player. He knows talent. The question is always, how much does he want to give up to get that talent? How much is he willing to risk? You know, I don't think he's a big risk taker. Um, He's just more conservative that way. Um, so, and the DeBrinket thing, you know, was, was a great move and, and it didn't cost them a lot. And this out, the, the Patrick Kane thing, very low risk free agent, take a flyer, flyer. right? Take a, take yeah, a flyer, but it's two point and not even 3 million for the year. You know, I mean, it's, it's nothing. So, uh, and nobody knows it's a risk. Nobody knows with his health, really, really tricky surgery on his hip. Um, it hasn't worked out for the other two players who've had it. So, uh, but he, 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 you see him willing to take little steps here, some steps, and, but the team has played. And I think that's with Iserman. It's kind of a weird, it's like a, like a dad thing, you know, like, you know, if you do good cutting this lawn kid, I might let you take the car out for a spin, you know, and they have to, the team has to prove itself to him. And this year, I mean, the, the record is very good. They're, they're, you know, right there in the playoff hunt in a playoff spot, you know, right now. Um, but their, 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 their power plays good. Their, their, um, net, uh, differential in goals is very good. So it's not like they're just beating the Bruins and they're tanking and they didn't do great in Sweden, which is one point, but they're consistently, you know, the loaned brought up, they've, they've gotten points in 14 out of 20 games. So they're always there. They're always either finding a way to get a point or, or getting to and winning they're, a game. They're competing. They've only had a, how, how many times have you watched them play where they're they they just don't have it. They're not they're not getting after it. Not very many. 
Right. No, they're, and they're, they're, I don't they're, even they're, think last year that was too much of a problem either. No, no, you know? Lalonde helped help with that last year for sure. And their young guys are. I mean, Larkin, it, in some ways, has never looked better. Right. Lucas Raymond even is playing a little bit better. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's. You could say Debrinket. You could say age. Maybe it's a you know getting a little more experience. Maybe a combination. Maybe the coach. It's it's everything. I mean, they, they need to, and and the other thing has been defense. You know, they need to work on their <clears throat> tighten up defense. So, and that that's the big thing is do they add a big time uh, defenseman? Because Simon Edmondson, you know, he's their top pick a few years ago. Uh, I think he, I don't know what he was. He was a, a top five or whatever pick, maybe mm-hmm. two or something. But he's in Grand Rapids. He clearly hasn't been ready yet. Um, didn't make the team out of camp, so. Everybody is hoping that he comes up and they pair him with Cider. He's, you know, another difference maker. Uh, probably isn't going to do it this year. So they're probably going to have to add somebody before the trade deadline. But that's the question is, where is he going to go out and do that? Is he going to make a splash and add a big piece? But he's going to have to give up draft capital. He's going to have to, you know, that's really what we haven't seen him do yet. Um, but it's these are signs, the Kane signing is a sign that he's moving in that direction that I'm adding pieces. I see. And, and so far it's been very uh, conservative moves, safe moves, but at some point he's going to have to take a risk and go give up a first round or second round or whatever it is to get somebody to make a difference. Because that's where I feel bad about the wings is I think last year they were right there. They were really pushing, you know, um, before those games in Ottawa and, you know, he got rid of Tyler Bertuzzi and I mean, Dylan Larkin literally cries, you know, and they were pushing and they've been pushing for, you know, we don't want to be sellers of the trade deadline again. And I think it's kind of a, sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, well, you're not very good and I'm going to get rid of players to make sure we're not very good. And I may get more draft capital and draft more players. But and is, even Eiserman says, even Eiserman said, just to finish that thought, Eiserman says this all the time that draft, you don't know what draft picks, Right. Nobody knows. He even he says that number one, number two. Nobody knows. Especially how in hockey, right? It's like baseball. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's like I mean, maybe not quite as baseball. bad as baseball. Maybe not quite as bad as baseball. Yeah, not fifty rounds, but it's a lot, but and it's no, they don't it's, know. it's it's tough. I don't think he's saying you're not very good as much as what he said. You're not quite good enough yet, and but we're getting there. And and I think that that's you're talking the dad analogy is a is a good one. It's. He wants to see his kids get to a point where they're going to invest, right? And, and that's really what it's about. And he did. He saw enough last year that he went out and got to print it. And, and that's really changed a few things. So, no, they're, they're fun, he's man. Also, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're fun. I mean that, that yeah. that's that's part of this too, right? They're not just winning; they're fun, and that and and they're and they're mostly young, and that's uh, you know, and they've gotten smart vets around them. It's the opposite of what the Pistons have done, by the way. Yeah, they're they're youngish. I mean, they're not super young, but they you know, and they've got you you know when Lalonde, uh, one of the guys that that makes a difference for them is David Perron. Um, you know, he's been he's he Lalone talks about him about being a very competitive, maybe the most competitive player he's been around. And I think that's, you know, they don't, they don't make as big a deal in hockey about culture like they do in football. But I think he's one of those guys who helps. Oh, that matters. Tone. You know, Dylan Larkin is like that too. You know, Larkin is a very good player, not a superstar, but he's a great, you know, what's they call it a 200 foot player, right? It goes both ways yep. and yep. really responsive defensively. And Perron's the same way. And, you know, and that, that matters. And adding someone like Patrick Kane, very, he's also very well respected, a great leader, talks to young players, you know, um, all that um, is going to matter to this team, you know, when they're down, when, how to, how to deal with struggles, um, you know, that, and I, so I think sometimes it's more, and, and, and like you said, fun team, I mean, the Brinkett's fun and, and Larkin and Raymond and, you know, they're hitting harder. I, I like the Raymond put on more weight, you know, it's not getting pushed around as much anymore, but Kane, if Kane can come back to what he was before, and he, I mean, he's 35, you know, but still that yeah, dude is just a little dynamo, you yeah, know, no. get under your skin. I mean, it's just fun, fun player. I hope he, I hope he returns to something like, like what he used to be in Chicago. Yeah, even even if it's just, I mean, he's not gonna get back there. But even if it's close, that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be something. All right, we got through our subjects. We need to get to the favorite thing. I, I say we take one more quick break. 
and we come back for your favorite part of the show, which is whatever you think is the best thing in life <laughs> from the last week, which I think is awesome. And uh, and I can't wait to hear it. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Yeah, it's it's that time of the show, man. It's it's where I get to learn about Carlos's life a little bit more, and uh, and it's always <laughs> enjoyable. What you got for us? Uh, it's a little it's a little bit on the sappy side, but you know, it's very Sean Windsor closet again. sap. You're you're a closet sap. I'm a closet sap. I, I admit yeah. it. Um, yeah, it was Thanksgiving, and that you know our kids were home from college, our two daughters, and. Uh, my wife had big plans for, oh, we're going to watch these movies together. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And what they really wanted to do, their twins, is they wanted to hang out in their one of their rooms and watch uh, anime, uh, Japanese anime. And we're down there, and I was there was a movie we we're going to watch. And my wife's, uh, she's like, well, I guess we're not watching this movie. <laughs> and oh, upstairs, they're upstairs, and we can hear them like laughing and giggling and laughing over whatever show they're watching. She goes, you know. I really miss hearing this and hearing the laugh because, you know, with your when you're empty nesters, as you know, uh, there's not a lot of vibrancy in the house and laughing, you know, giggling and all that. You, you know, you you realize how much you miss it when you hear. Oh, it yeah. Yeah. So that was it. That was just it. Was, it That's was, awesome. Uh, it was. Yeah. We had all these plans for family bonding and it just turned out to be sister bonding. <laughs> so. Yeah. You just you just want it's it's so fun when you, if you have two kids and they're close and they get along you're fortunate enough to have that happen it's 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 a joy to listen to that it it even if you're not participating directly you know it's i love i love listening to that uh and that's well that's really nice carlos i my 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 favorite thing is difficult because if we'd recorded even just the day before i i would have had a pretty good one and that is and i actually wrote about i wrote about <laughs> I wrote about this guy and I wrote about him twice because I got a fair amount of response from readers who wanted a second piece about how, how it unfolded. And let me just quickly, quickly recap. I classmate of mine from high school in Texas, uh, fell in love with the Michigan Wolverines in the early eighties. He was a freshman in high school, saw the winged helmet and no connection to the school, never been to Michigan, never been to the campus, whatever. And just sort of, spent his adult life loving Michigan Wolverines. He's been in Houston for the last 35 years. Been to a Detroit. He'd been to Detroit a few times for work 25 years ago, but he'd never been to Ann Arbor. Anyway, so it's a bucket list to come to see Michigan play and more so to come see Michigan-Ohio State play. So I saw him at a reunion four or five years ago. It was the first time I'd seen him in 35 years, once in 40 years, basically. So just having him come up, experience that, I got to show him around the town, the campus. That was great reconnecting with him a little bit and then and then being able to write about it a little bit and then have people sort of be interested in his story i think it's part of a pride thing too not just with the university of michigan but with an outsider coming to see the state and enjoying himself and you know he had the time of his life at the game i took him to get a detroit coney because people put that in his ear that he needed to have a detroit oh my coney. god so uh so so we did that in any case that would have been my favorite thing and, and and it should be because it's a pretty special thing. You don't often you have something like that just randomly pop up in your life. Somebody you've seen once in forty years come up and you know actually spend some time with them. It was uh, it was great. But I I, I got to say, I went to Hamdramic High School Tuesday uh, evening after I went to East Lansing to meet the new coach and write a column there and filed that and drove straight to Hamdramic to watch my son's debut coaching debut. Uh, he coaches a freshman high school team in Ann Arbor, and um, and that was really, yeah. Uh, this is you talking about sappy. You talking about being saccharine. I walk into the gym. I got there late in the second quarter, and I looked at the scoreboard and I could tell they were winning by a few. And I looked down at the court and I saw my son. And I looked at the game and a kid, and and for his school, I don't know this kid. Never seen his team. I've heard about his team. He talks to me about it sometimes after practice. The kid hit a three pointer. And um, that's the first thing I saw on the court. And Carlos, I, I, the feeling I had, it was, it, was, it was weird because, not weird, but it was interesting because this, I've never seen this 14, 15 or whatever. I've never seen this team before. I've never seen that human being before. And I just saw this random 
person hit a three-point shot on a basketball court and it was all I could do not to get tears in my eyes. It was unbelievable. And I immediately thought, oh, I, I could see my son's girlfriend in the stand with another friend. They would made the drive. They wanted to support him in his debut. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to go over there and be a big mess. So I turned and walked out of the gym to compose myself. <laughs> And I, I got a long winner of this. I I I got a compose. This is ridiculous. It it was. I loved watching him play. My other son play or just do anything they loved. I've always loved that. But there was something about him being in charge and being responsible for all those kids and watching him interact with him and how they looked to him. And uh, I just it overwhelmed me for a minute. And I eventually settled down and watched the game and sat with and I knew some people and I've been around the program for a while. And um, and that was great, but I just it it shocked me, Carlos, how that felt. <laughs> why why would a three point shot or any kind of basket or any kind of positive play you first see? Why why would I have that kind of reaction? That's not my son. I, it it really surprised me. It just just the the way I felt. Maybe it's just pride, you know, in in some yeah. way. Just watching, but not even pride. Just watching him do what he loves. And and he's starting on his journey. That's what it was. And to see a tiny bit of success, and I know it's just one basket, but yeah. Anyway, so that was my favorite thing. I hate to do that to my longtime classmate and friend from Texas, but that was it. Did they win the game? They did. And what they was did. that like afterward? Uh, that was fun. That was fun. He His team started to go nuts, and they grabbed him quickly to get him in the handshake line. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he texted me later on the bus ride because he's an assistant varsity coach too. He's a head freshman coach and assistant varsity coach. And he texted me on the bus ride home and said that when he went into the locker room after the game, he he ran and jumped in the middle, and they all started jumping up and down around him. And he jumped up and down with him, and he said they were all screaming and uh, hollering. That's just that's sports, man. Well, that's great. That's sports, isn't it? I like how you snuck two in there, by the way. So you're still going to have to do one. You can't bank one. You got to do one next week, too. Yeah, I just didn't want to. Yeah, I, I feel bad that it wasn't my favorite thing for the for the Texas thing. That was that was great. But nah, <laughs> Hamtramck, man. No, that's by the way, that, that that's a great neighborhood. The the schools in this, you know, all those kind of row houses, not quite row houses, but they look like row houses, even though they're not all the white, white wood. It's funny because Detroit's so much brick. And you go into Hamtramck and everything's wood and mostly white wood. And I love those. I love the way those streets feel. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since it, I've been in Hamtramck. Yeah, no, I've been I've been over there for it's not not too far from Keyword Stadium where the DCFC Detroit uh, Football Club plays, and that's quite a scene. Anyway, that's another podcast. We should go there and do a live podcast. Yeah, with all yeah. The, with all those crazies marching and singing and chanting and getting drunk. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. I thought we'll, we'll, just we'll, you just wanted to go to the bar, to the bars and eat some Polish food or something, but no. Well, no, we can we can we can do that too. I think we need to start recording from restaurants. <laughs> you know, that'll be that'd, great. Yeah, that'd we'll be, make that'd uh, be great. we'll make our producers quit over the audio difficult. We can barely get this thing out, Sean. We have so many. We're we're so technically inept, you and I. No, that, but people, uh, people, or or you'll come over here and we'll we'll cook something together and talk about it. I don't know. We'll we'll make a cooking podcast uh, with a little bit of sports thrown. <laughs> no, all right, man. We need to get out of here. As much as I enjoy your company, we got we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap this up. We need to thank some people. Who do we need to thank? Well, we need to thank, uh, I don't know, Robin Chan, our producer, deserted us for some reason. And uh, Ponda Safwan, Andrew Burkle, our uh, intrepid assistant sports editor. I always want to say Brickle, by the way, like Butter Brickle. Brickle. You know, Butter old Brickle. school ice That's probably one of his nicknames, yeah. Like, it was probably his basketball, you know, smooth, like Butter Brickle. Uh, Never been nicknamed mine. <laughs> no, no nickname. Smooth like Butter Brickle. <laughs> <laughs> guys just making assumptions over there but hey i'll take it <laughs> see this uh, is yeah that, that's a west coast he's a true west coast guy he does not make assumptions you know what i mean <laughs> no nobody in the west makes assumptions about anything um no they don't no they don't they don't well so uh, oh yeah our uh, executive producers who the glory hounds kirkland crawford and Anjanette delgado as usual uh we get fired if we don't mention their names um at least once so and then our our editor, hey, Nicole Avery Nichols, who signs the checks. 
Um, but Sean, obviously, you know who the most important the listeners, person is. The listeners. I mean, I want to thank you, Carlos, for putting up with me. Um, oh. It's a tall task. It's a tall task. And it's uh, something I look forward to every week. But no, the listeners. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We're grateful. Uh, you can find us, obviously, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Please subscribe or rate us. Just do your thing. You know the deal. The podcasts have been part of our culture long enough. I shouldn't have to tell you this. <laughs> to be honest, it's ridiculous, actually. But uh, but it's what our bosses want because this is how newspapers are. We, we start doing something and then we, uh, we keep doing it. And that's what we're going to do. We are grateful for the listenership, though, right, Carlos? Absolutely. Super grateful. Super grateful. All right. Until next week, are we going to talk after New Orleans? It's a good question. I don't know because you're traveling, so we'll have to figure that out. Uh, oh, yes, I am. And I'm actually traveling that Sunday evening um, because, yeah, it's going to be hard to see the game too. shoot. Well, maybe maybe we maybe we can figure something out. The selection show happens that Sunday and and uh, so that's kind of how we had to had to had to book it. But uh, I don't know. I guess what we're saying, listeners, is that we might have a Stay show tuned. <laughs> yeah, we might have a show Sunday night. We will definitely have one next uh, next week, though. Until then, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Sean.